Open your Bibles tonight to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The theme that I've been trying to come back around to uh, in these messages is give yourself. And this is perhaps the most obvious passage to go to. Romans chapter 12 is all about being living sacrifices, uh, giving ourselves completely to God. Honestly, it's not something we've seen a lot of, not in any way to be critical of those that we've known and those we worship with through the years, but, but a, a, a totally sold out, sacrificed, passionate Christian is, is rarer than it ought to be. Would you agree with that? It's just rarer to see people who are that totally given over to, to Christ. And the fact that we don't see very many, the, the fact that uh, that is not normal for us in church then, of course, changes our concept of what normal is. One of my favorite uh, stories about Warren Weeks is, of course, told by Margie Weeks. All our best stories are told by our wives. I guess that's, that's part of it. Uh, what was it? Warren had had surgery, Margie. Was that what it was? And you were waiting for surgery, and they came and told you that he wasn't doing well. Remember that story? Um, what surgery? Was it surgery? Yeah. They thought he wasn't coming out of the anesthesia very well, so uh, Margie had waited and waited. And uh, finally, the nurse came and said, uh, Ms. Weeks, we, we just wanted to come back. We're not really sure that your husband's doing very well. Margie says, well, what is it? You know, what seems to be the problem? He said, well, he just doesn't look good. He's white and pasty, and his color's just not coming back. And so Margie went back and looked at him and said, oh, that's just how he looks. <laughs> yeah, Warren, I love that, man. I just love that. That's just how he looks. Oh, oh my. Um, in church, if, if, if all we ever see are, are, are Christians who are half dead, then we never really understand what fully alive uh, disciples of Christ should look like. And that takes us to Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to read this whole chapter, 21 verses. Um, this truly is sort of the fundamentals of the Christian life right here. It's, it's really all here. Uh, let's take a look at, at what we can learn tonight. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So, dear brothers and sisters, I, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We could stay all night on those verses. You know that. that that's good. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary folk. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. Go back to those first verses with me. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. That's interesting. Now, in church, when we talk about commitment, spiritual commitments to the Lord, we will typically say uh, that, that we invite one another to give your heart to Jesus. We hardly ever say, come forward and give your body to Jesus. We usually spiritualize the language, will you give your heart to Jesus? Or maybe we'll say, will you give your life? But, but Paul here is, is actually very uh, direct and, and almost wooden in what he says. He says to give your bodies. How does that change the way the commitment is framed? To say, will you give your heart to Jesus or say, I, I want you to give your body? What's the difference? Inviting you to give your mouths uh, to Jesus at, at this point and, and help me out. Somehow when we say bodies, it, it sort of captures that idea, Steve says, of giving everything, giving our whole selves. Um, we talk about giving our hearts, and there's nothing wrong with that. We all know what that means, but, but what can it mean? What can be lost when we just talk about giving our hearts? Yeah, Dad. Yeah, it comes down to the difference between the, the invisible parts of me and the visible parts of me. When I talk about giving my heart to Jesus, uh, Brother Don says that nobody might know that but me. That's an invisible, hidden part of myself. And honestly, some people apparently have made invisible commitments to Jesus. They've only given the hidden parts of themselves because when you see them in, in their lives, when you see them in the world, when you see them out Monday to Saturday, they're isn't an apparent commitment to Christ. So Paul says, I, I, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Give your bodies because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living, a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
worship, uh, the, the entire spiritual life simply begins with a, with a giving of yourself, a giving of your body, a giving of your entire life to Christ. And then you belong to him. The amazing thing about this belonging here is, is that it, it obviously has this transforming power. Belonging always has transforming power. You, you know this, don't you? When you join yourself to someone else, when you join yourself to a group, uh, you automatically become transformed. They say that as a married couple is married through the years, they start to look more like each other. Y'all think that's true? You, you think it is? You ever seen couples that just start to look alike? Yeah. Barbara, Jimmy, how's that going for y'all? Are y'all, come, come, Jimmy, we're still waiting for the, for the beauty to kick in here any time now from rubbing off from Barbara. Yeah. Well, what about this? They do say that sometimes owners and dogs begin to resemble each other, that, that a person's dog can start to look like them. You believe that? <laughs> Barbara, you watch it there now. You watch it right there because I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, is it possible that you can, you ever seen people that look like their dogs? How is that? I don't really think I, I look much like our dog, Augie, but she probably does resemble me in, in some ways. I know that when I'm telling her to do something that she really doesn't want to do, she acts like she's deaf. And I think Casey would say, I do that. Uh, yeah, I think I probably do that. It's interesting how belonging simply belonging has this transforming power when I first met Casey Wilson she said I want you to know right now I will never be one of those country women that plants a garden and bakes bread because see she had come to Woodburn and met all of all of the country women here I mean you know the the, the ladies in our church who were just so industrious and so very uh, country uh, raising a garden and, and, and doing this sort of thing. Casey, you need to know you're not marrying that kind of woman. I am not that, that woman. Funny thing is, this woman plants a garden and bakes bread, and, and, and she's become so redneck, just so, so, so redneck. She said it would never happen, but 24 years somehow of belonging, it, it has a transforming power. And it's the same thing that happens in our spiritual lives. We are transformed by what we give ourselves to, by what we belong to. So notice what the scripture says. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy, don't be conformed to the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and, and, and pleasing and perfect I, I guess if you want a simple way to measure your own spiritual progress the, the question to ask yourself is are you becoming more like the world are you becoming more like everybody else or, or are you becoming more like Christ when you give yourself to Christ, there's a transformation that, that kicks in. It starts with the way you think. It starts with the way you think. You, you truly have a different way of seeing things, a different way of rationing out the, the, the meaning of your life. You begin to have the mind of Christ, Scripture says. You, you begin to think differently. Most of the world thinks very much in the same way, that they value money, uh, they uh, value time. Uh, in, in a very serious way. Most people in the world are very, very materialistic. We talked this morning about loving the world too much. 
Most people in the world think nothing of a life outside of the material world. They love stuff. They love the material world. And, and it's interesting how much like them the church becomes. But, but truly, when we belong to Christ, there's a transformation. Transformation in the way we think. There's a transformation in, in the way we live. And the amazing thing is, it, it turns out at the very end of this, then you will learn to know God's will for you. I, I've said it over and over because you all say it over and over to me. It, it's the most common complaint I hear from church people, from Christian people who, who mean well and love the Lord and want to serve the Lord. But they'll typically say, Brother Tim, I just don't know God's will for me. I don't know what God wants for, for me to do. It, if that's true, what is the key? What is the key to learning God's will for your life? According to this scripture, if you feel like you don't know, what should you do according to Romans chapter 1, verses 1 and 2? Yeah, let God change the way you think. You, you give yourself to him. You understand this? The surrender comes first. Now, too often, we want God to sort of make us an offer. We want God to make a proposal. Let me know, God, what, what you're thinking about the plan for my life, and then I'd like to consider that with my other options. That's the way most people think. But it's not the way God operates. He doesn't make an offer to you. He doesn't try to win you over and, and give you one thing to consider among other things that you might consider. God waits for your surrender. God waits for you. You understand? He's already made the first move. It's not like you're taking the initiative here. Remember what it says. I, I want you to give your bodies because of all he's done for you. You see, he's already gone first. He's already given himself for you. So now your response, the only acceptable response, is to give yourself to him. A living sacrifice. Give your body to him. That means every breath. It means all of the strength in your bones. It means Every second, every minute of every day, it belongs to him. It belongs to him. God waits for that surrender. And when you surrender, when you say yes, then you'll learn what God's will is for you. Old black gospel song that says the answer is yes, God, what will your question be? You understand? We say yes. We surrender first, totally surrendering ourselves. Then notice what comes next. Verse 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. The first step in verse 3 is that Paul asked us to, to make a very serious but honest assessment of our own selves. Our tendency is to think more of ourselves than we ought to. We, we tend to think more of ourselves. Now, honestly, this cuts in two directions, and, and I think it's important for us to see how pride can work. There is, of course, the kind of person who thinks that they're everything. They think that they're the most beautiful. They think that they uh, are the smartest. They think that they're the most important person in every room. There are those people who just think that they're better, and that definitely is pride, and it is a spiritual obstacle. It will interrupt your relationship with God, most importantly, but it will also make it impossible for you to have proper relationships with other people. You cannot think that you're higher th than others. 
You understand, there's another kind of person, another way of thinking, it's just as destructive, and this is the person who actually thinks that they're lower. This is the person who doesn't think they're the most beautiful in the room, they think they're the ugliest. They don't think that they're the smartest, they think they're the dumbest. They don't think that they're the most important, they think that they are the least important. You understand? And, and honestly, it's sort of, it's still pride. Who do you think you are to think you're the ugliest person God ever made? You understand? That's pride. There's bound to be somebody uglier than you. Just take a look down your pew. You understand? Who do you think you are to think you're the dumbest person God ever made? Do you not watch Duck Dynasty? I mean, there are people dumber than you. It's still pride. It's a kind of pride to think, oh, I'm so important. I'm the highest. I am, I am the one that God must have chosen. But it's also a kind of pride to think I am the lowest. I am the worst. God can never use me. What do you mean? What do you mean thinking that, that God can never use you? What do you mean in thinking that somehow you, your gifts are, are less important? You see, that's pride too. It's incredible pride to think you're the highest, but it's also pride to think you're the lowest. You think you're the lowest, you're really not that important either. Do you understand? You just simply have to find your place. You surrender yourself to God. That's step number one. And then according to this passage, step number two, you find your place among other believers. And your place is right beside other believers. You are not higher, but you're not lower either. We're just right here together. We're all beside each other. We're all beside each other. And even though I'm pastor, even though I get a paycheck from the church, my gifts are not more important than your gifts. My opinion is not more important than, than your opinion. We are one body. This is what the scripture says. All one body. And it's very important that we find our place uh, amongst one another. Now, what determines my place? In the body of Christ, what sort of determines the, the place that I will fill? The amount of money I give to the offering? No, no. There are always people who try to buy their place in the church, but there's just no way to think of that. Legitimately, you understand? You don't buy a, a place. There are some people who figure that by seniority they have a place. If you just are here long enough, eventually you can run this joint. No, no, it's not about seniority. It's not about who's been here the, the longest. When Paul describes it in every place, he, he talks about the church as, as a body. And so we are related to each other in the way that, that parts of a body are related. It's all one body. We're all one. And yet we have different functions. Spiritual giftedness is always uh, described in functional language. It's not, about, uh, it's not about being talented, so to speak. It's more about just what you do. What is your function around here? What's your part of the body? In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Understand, this is not Woodburn's Got Talent. This isn't like uh, Woodburn Idol. It's not that sort of thing at all. God gives us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy... Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage each other, be encouraging, please. If, you, uh, if your gift is giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 
I don't think in any place in Scripture the, the list of gifts is intended to be complete or exhaustive. I think even here it's just this idea that Paul's just using examples. Well, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that God intends for you to, to fulfill your function in the body of Christ, then you just need to do that with all your heart. You need to do it well, with all the faith, with, with all the ability God gives you. You just put everything you've got into it. Now, honestly, there are always people in the church who say, I really don't know what my function is. I, I don't know what my place is. Well, the scripture doesn't leave anybody out. It says, in his grace, God has given us, all of us, every single one of us, you are not the exception. You're not the exception. Now, you may not have received gifts that put you on the stage. That doesn't mean your gifts aren't important. In this list here, most of the gifts that Paul mentions are not necessarily gifts that, that will necessarily get you put on staff or that will necessarily ever make you famous or, or get you a lot of attention. If your gift is serving others, Paul says, serve them well. Well, well I, I don't care who you are. We can all serve. We can all take care of other people's needs. That's something we can all do. But obviously some people are, are really good at this. Really good at this. In our church, we have people especially gifted at serving. They just take care of other people very, very well. N never just to single out one person, but we just would all agree. Marie Smalling does this very well. And she does it well because she doesn't think she does it at all. That's the funny thing about Marie. I said, Marie, thank you so much for what you did. And she said, what? I didn't do nothing. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? If she thinks she does nothing, she has no idea how, how little the rest of us are doing. Yeah. She just serves. She just serves. Uh, J.C. Maxwell writing postcards and, and, and letters and drawing silly pictures and sending them out to us. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing the way our people serve. When you have a need, if, if church people know, they're going to show up. They're going to serve. They're going to serve well. If your gift is to encourage others, and again, I, I'm sure that there are people who excel in this, but this is something we can all do. It just takes a little bit of effort to be encouraging. Lift people up. My goodness, you have no idea, no idea the heavy burdens that we're carrying. Even the people on your pew, sometimes the people that you speak to every Sunday, you have no idea how they need encouraging. So how dare us, how dare any of us come in this place and think about only ourselves? How dare we come in here and just complain and just sit through church and yawn and groan? And My goodness, we have this tremendous opportunity to encourage each other. And we all need that encouragement. Be encouraging. He says, if your gift is giving, give generously. I've said over and over, this church is, is filled with the most generous people I've ever seen in my life. I want to be more like you all in your generosity because I know when I become more like you, I'll be more like Christ. You, you truly, truly exemplify this. The whole idea is, is that giftedness is about function. It's not about status. Having a particular gift doesn't make you more important than others. Not at all. We're, we're like members of a body. It takes all of us doing what we do to, to make the body function. It, it's just about function. And if you get one gift or another gift, it doesn't mean that God loves you more or, or God loves you less. Understand, this is about relationship. If you've ever been one of those parents who travel and you get in the habit of bringing your kids something every time you travel... 
it gets kind of depressing because sooner or later when you start coming in the door, the first thing your child will say is, what'd you bring me? What'd you bring me? And why does that just sort of break your heart? Because the gifts were never really uh, about the gifts. It was really about relationship, wasn't it? It was always about showing your child that, you know, even when I'm away from you, I think about you. I, 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 want, to, I want to give you a token of my, my love. And spiritual gifts are the same way. It's not about God somehow showing favoritism in the church. It's about relationship. It's always about God wanting to bring us back to him and to bring us importantly into one another's lives. Which brings us to the last thing. It's a simple thing. Verse 9. I say it's simple. Why would the Bible say this? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Do we sometimes just pretend to love others? Well, let's get it out on the table. Who's pretending around here? Why would we do that? Why would I just pretend? And, and he says it over and over in verse 10. Love each other with genuine affection. Is there any other kind? Is there affection that's not genuine? Apparently. What's the difference? How do I know? And, and who in the world would come to church and just pretend to love people? That takes a lot of energy. Some of us have stopped pretending. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. That means that there's nothing that makes me happier than to honor you. Nothing that brings my soul more delight than doing something that picks you up, that lifts you up, that, that shows you respect and honor. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 15, be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. It's not always all up to you, but you can do your part. You can do everything that you can do to have peace with one another. Why would we ever just pretend to love each other? Why would we ever engage in a kind of affection that's not genuine? How do I know? What's the difference? Can you help me? Yeah, Andrew says importantly, one might just have words and the other one has actions that, that back it up. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good line. Sometimes our affection, sometimes our love is just spoken. Oh, I love you so much. Good to see you. But, but truly, there's no action to uh, embody the love that we speak. Yeah. Pretty good indication. I guess in some ways, the, the pretend love that sometimes we substitute, it's the easy stuff. Any one of us can show affection to each other when it's easy, 
when it's Sunday morning and you're not on my nerves or, or you're not calling me to complain or you haven't just sent me a blistering email, it, it, it's somehow easier to love people when they don't have any needs. You know, if you ever need anything, call me. That's the easiest thing in the world to say, and then you call me in the middle of the night. And, and all of a sudden, I, I have to show some sort of genuine love. You understand the pretend love, the ungenuine affection, this is the easy stuff. This is when people love when, honestly, anybody in the world could show love. But honestly, the longer we stay together, the more we continue to share life with each other. It just gets hard sometimes to love each other. We begin to rub each other the wrong way. With enough time, I'm eventually going to say something that offends you. You're eventually going to do something that makes me feel unloved or, or, or disrespected by you. Sooner or later, we're going to hurt each other's feelings. You understand that? And love gets difficult then. But when love gets difficult, that's when love gets genuine. That's when it gets genuine. That's when you know it's the real thing, when it gets hard. When you have to put a little bit of work into being at peace with everyone. When you have to put a little bit of work into always practicing hospitality. That stuff's hard to do. So I guess you know that the love is genuine when, a, when it begins to take a little bit of effort. I think that's really part of the message here. Our salvation is by grace and it's all God's work but it does not happen without our participation and it all begins with a very deliberate and a very total giving of ourselves. I give my body. That means I give everything that I am to Christ. I just simply live for him. You saw the act of baptism tonight. It's always important to understand why we baptize and what it means. Jordan Reed goes down into the water tonight, and that represents what? Her death with Christ. It represents her death with Christ. She died and was buried with Christ, but then she was raised to walk in the newness of life. Those are words from the book of Romans. So that it is truly no longer her life, no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. It is a deliberate and total giving of myself. And when I belong to him in that way, there's a transformation that takes place. And one of the places we live that transformation now is right here in relationships with each other, in, in the way we work together, the way we do what we do for the glory of God, and the way we learn how to love each other. It's always going to come down to loving each other. Let's do that well. Let's learn to do that better. Let's pray, and then we'll transition to our family meeting. Pray with me. God, truly, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you have given yourself for us that we might belong to you. God, we confess that we are often not good examples for one another. Our commitments to you, Lord, are often half-hearted. Lord, we give part of a Sunday to you, Lord, or we give you uh, the, the convenient parts of our souls. Lord, we obey the, the things that you ask us to do that we enjoy doing, Lord. But sometimes when it gets hard to follow you, we step back. And in doing so, Lord, the church itself becomes a very lukewarm place, a, a place where genuine commitment and, 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 and red, hot, fiery passion for you, Lord, just simply is not common. Lord, I pray that you would stir in this place a, a different kind of people, a different kind of commitment. I pray, Lord, that we would all truly die with you, 
experience a, a death with you, Lord, so that truly the only life in us is the life that you place in us. Help us, Lord, to find our place with one another, to serve you with whole hearts and enthusiasm. Just, Lord, help us to love each other. Help us to love each other, not just to pretend, Lord, but to do the hard work of making peace and forgiving, showing hospitality and kindness, doing everything we can, Lord, just to delight and honor one another. Lord Jesus, these are simple things, but not always things we do very well. Help us, Lord, to do these things with total commitment, whole hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.